Earlier today, uh, my goal was to speak to uh, a former colleague of mine, someone you know very well, Squire Barnes, a Global BC Sports Director. Now, over the weekend, uh, we heard that the Edmonton Oilers, of course, were knocked out of the playoffs after their 5-2 loss to the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, and, of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, also lost to the Florida Panthers uh, over five games, which means there are no more Canadian NHL franchises. franchise teams uh, playing in the NHL playoffs. So it will be the 30th year in a row. Can you believe that? 30 years in a row where we will not see a Canadian team lift the Stanley Cup. The last team to do so was the Montreal Canadiens in 1993. And I hope to speak to Squire about that in regards to why that was happening. Uh, But I also, um, when I placed that call to Squire, I also learned um, soon after that, uh, Deb Hope, uh, former anchor, of course, reporter at Global BC, has died at the age of 60, 67. Uh, Deb, of course, a longtime colleague and for two generations, anybody who has turned on BC TV, Global BC, would recognize her face as the anchor at one time of the new news or the 5 p.m. news or, of course, working along with Tony Parsons um, on their flat, flagship 6 p.m. news hour uh, telecast. Uh, Deb retired Uh, In 2014, when she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, which eventually led her to living in a nursing home. Here's uh, a few um, comments from Deb when she retired in 2014. And then there's the signature Deb Hope laugh. The Variety Club Show of Hearts in Studio One. Deb is just as passionate when she's not at work. She's involved with dozens of charities and, of course, singing with her fireworks quartet. Deb, you are unforgettable and you will be missed. Unforgettable, that's what you are. A few words and comments uh, about Deb Hope. Uh, She passed away. Uh, today at the age of 67. Uh, Deb joined Global in 1981. The station wasn't even called Global BC at that time. It was BC TV. I spoke to Squire a couple of hours ago. Here's some of our conversation. Let's focus on the uh, the immediate uh, story before us, an important one and a personal one as well. Uh, we lost, uh, uh, lost a colleague, uh, Deb Hope, a former anchor and of course reporter at uh, Global BC and previous to that uh, BCTV, uh, you worked with her for a lot of years, did you not? I worked with her for 22 years. Wow. 22 years, if my math is correct, because she retired um, on the 6 o'clock show on um, in uh, 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, for our audience, who obviously would know her well for her, uh, well, over two decades of anchoring and reporting, uh, at BCTV and Global BC, give a, give them a sense of what she was like to work with. Well, I think the best thing I can probably say is for anyone who watched Deb work at BCTV Global, um, they did know her. Because what you saw on TV, what you saw when she was reporting and what you saw when she was anchoring the newscast, that was her. There was no airs. There was no different personality because she's on TV. You know, she was she was as she was when she walked off the set and went back into the newsroom. She was just as comfortable on the air as she was off the air. She was just the same on the air as she was off the air. So to the people who watched her for years and liked watching her, 
I'm happy to say that you knew her because you saw what we saw. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there isn't a person who worked with Deb who wouldn't agree with that statement. And there was so many facets about her um, as a journalist and as a human being. But, you know, one of the ones is she was very kind to the people she worked with, to her friends, obviously, and her family, and to strangers as well. But, you know, that kindness should not be mistaken for gullibility because she was not gullible. She was a fantastic reporter. She had a news mind. She knew what was real and what wasn't. She knew how to interview people. She knew how to put a story together. And she knew how to communicate that to the audience in a way that everybody understood and everybody felt comfortable with. Mm-hmm. You know, she was, she was, you know, in baseball, they like to say, this guy's a five-tool player. That's what she was. Mm-hmm. She was in print media before she came to television. She was in radio before she came to television. And when she came to television at BCTV, she started as a reporter and worked her way up to the anchor desk. But she never stopped being a reporter. Mm-hmm. And she would help people in the newsroom. Uh, you would know this. Uh, she would help people, no matter what your job was, in the newsroom. You may never be on TV. You might be a technician. If you were nervous, one of our directors, Justin, said today, the first day he directed a show with Deb, she realized he was nervous. And she talked to him. It made him feel better, and the show went fine. Uh, I remember when I started there in 1994, so Deb was anchoring the... Uh, a new news so you know we interacted quite a bit uh from day one and and uh, you know you raise a very good point you know, people see her as an anchor very personable and and she and her personality came out every single day when she was anchoring she did there's no there, she didn't fake anything uh but people don't realize what a strong journalist she she was i think sometimes and when i used to talk to her off air always asking about a particular story what was behind the story what was the reasoning behind it you know asking as many questions as she possibly could before he went to air on whatever i was working on what other journalists were working on um and she was always asking the right questions and you raise a very good point in that she wasn't just somebody you saw on television, but she came with um, a great resume when it comes to radio reporting and print reporting, especially. Yeah, she was she was extremely well-rounded. And, and you're right, she could, and it's a gift, you know, for somebody in, in journalism to sort of see through the fog of a story and see what was important and what questions should be asked and what angles should be taken. Um it's something you have to learn, but it's something that seemed to be innate with her. Mm-hmm. And, and as I said, she was so uh, – people talked and are talking within this newsroom today, people who knew her and worked with her, and there was a lot of tears when the news came down. I mean, we were all expecting it one day because, of course, she was, you know, had been suffering with Alzheimer's for quite a while, and it was inevitable what was going to happen. And so I think you know, a lot of us you know, thought we were prepared. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And, and then when you hear the news, it is stunning. But everybody in the newsroom used the word generous when describing her. And what they meant by that was she was generous with her time. If you needed help, if you were new, and even if you weren't new, and you needed help and some clarity on a story or something you were doing, she would always generously give her time to help you to get your story forward or whatever it was bothering you, she would help you in that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing I, lo- I loved about Deb was the perspective that she always 
would focus on was not just what the establishment thought or uh, these individuals would think, and you know what other authority types would think. It's always about how does this impact the viewer? How does this impact our listeners? Whatever it may be, whoever the audience is, how does this impact everyday people? And mm-hmm. she never lost sight of that. I think partially beyond just being a, a great journalist was the, I think it's also her small town roots. She's a product of trail and, uh, and left, I think, she, when she was 18 years old, never looked back. But it, she was always very proud of talking about her small-town roots, especially. Yeah, I, I, I like to say she had small-town sensibilities. You know, she was mm-hmm. kind, but as I said earlier, don't take that kindness for gullibility. Yeah. Because she she knew what was going on around her, and she did. She cared very deeply about how things were presented to the audience, and that and that really is the key you know, to this business, to, you know, it's, um, you have to, you know, do stories that affect people, you know, and, and, and you have to tell it in such a way that people understand and you have to care about what you're doing as well. You just can't, you can't fake it. You have to care about it. And Deb cared about it very deeply. Whether the story was a hard hitting news story, which she did, whether the story was a fun feature piece, which she did. Uh, Tony Parsons said a number of years ago, um, there was nothing Deb couldn't do. There really was nothing she couldn't do. If you wanted her to do a political interview, she could do that. If you needed her to do a hard-hitting story that, you know, uh, you were going after somebody in power, she could do that. If it was a sad story where empathy needed to be involved, she could do that. If it was a fun story, she could do that. If you needed her to host a charity event, she could do that. Host a show, she could do that. There was nothing she could not do. Mm-hmm. And and the great thing about her, too, is that she would laugh when something was funny on the air. And I think that endeared her to the audience even more. Because as I said earlier, that's her. There was no faking. She didn't think, oh, I shouldn't laugh because I'm a news anchor. If it was funny, she laughed and she shared that with the audience. If you're just joining us, we are speaking to Global BC sports anchor Squire Barnes. We were talking about uh, uh, our former colleague Deb Hope uh, and longtime journalist. And, of course, people here in British Columbia know very well for many years of anchoring the new news and, of course, uh, the news hour uh, as well. Uh, Squire, we we are also going to talk a little bit about sports here. Uh, and, of course, over the weekend, we uh, heard of the Edmonton Oilers who were knocked out of uh, the playoffs uh, following a 5-2 loss to the uh, Vegas Golden Golden Knights. Uh, we also, of course, know that Toronto um, uh, uh, was booted out as well earlier. Uh, this this year marks 30 years now where we haven't seen a Canadian team uh, lift the Stanley Cup. Why do you think that is? Well, probably a bit of bad luck. Hmm. And also, there's a lot of teams. And, you know, you can't blame it now on the salaries because with a salary cap, everybody competes at an even level, basically, or can if they want to. Um, when I say bad luck, Montreal Canadiens won the Stanley Cup in 1993. They beat the LA Kings that year. That's when Gretzky was on the Kings. And they won it in five games. Since that time, four Canadian teams have gotten to Game 7s in the Stanley Cup Finals. Mm-hmm. We know who two of them are very well. The Canucks and the Canucks. Mm-hmm. They didn't win the Stanley Cup. They did cause a riot by not winning the Stanley Cup, but they didn't win both times, I might add. But not that it was their fault, but that's what everybody remembers now. 
But they lost Game 7 to the Rangers in 94, and they lost Game 7 to the Bruins in 2011. And, of course, the Flames and the Oilers made surprising runs to the Stanley Cup Final in 2004 and 2006, and both lost in Game 7. So that's why I say it's a bit of unlucky that Canada hasn't won another Stanley Cup since then. I know Montreal was in the Stanley Cup uh, two years ago. They surprised everybody by making the finals, but they were beaten in five games by Tampa Bay. Yeah, so I think it's a bit unlucky in a way. But this year, you know, at the start of the second round, Jazz, uh, after the first round was over, they in Vegas, the odds makers sort of redo their odds to see who's going to win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. And at the start of the second round, Toronto was the favorite and Edmonton was the second favorite. So the odds makers thought it was going to be an all-Canadian Stanley Cup final this year, which, of course, it's not. Uh, how much of this do you think also it has to do with the fact that the NHL expanding, you've got more Canadian talent diluted over more teams, uh, perhaps uh, more Europeans coming? Is that part of it as well, or is, or is it, or is it just a question of just it, it's going to happen? We, we all know it's going to happen eventually, but I'm just wondering why it's just taken. We have made it to the finals, but it's taken so long to 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 get another team past the finish line. Yeah, I, I don't know if there is one particular reason why a Canadian team hasn't won the Stanley Cup since 1993. Um, I mean, some teams have been very good uh, for a while. Like, you know, the Maple Leafs have been a very good team in the recent years and just haven't, for whatever reason, been able to translate that in the playoffs. And now we know the Oilers have, you know, the greatest player in the world and a guy who's pretty close to him in Leon Dreisaitl. But again, you know, haven't been able to even get to the final with Connor McDavid. Um it is tough to win the Stanley Cup. It is. I mean, that seems like a simple thing to say, but there are a lot of teams. But there are a lot of teams in every league um, in North America. Um, I, I, again, I, I, I wish I had one reason to say this is the reason the Canadian teams haven't lifted the Stanley Cup. But it just seems to be, for whatever whatever reason, they just haven't been able to get over the hump in the playoffs. And as we said, there have been teams that got very close. I mean, when the Canucks lost in 2011 to Boston... Vancouver overall was the best team in the NHL. They had the best regular season record, but for whatever reason, their their you know goaltending from Luongo on the road didn't work out, and their and their goal scoring seemed to dry up. Much like Toronto's did, much like Edmonton's did, five on five, they were able to score power play goals. But I know that's not really answering your question. But I can't really give you a specific answer to your question, other than to say yes, it's been a 30-year drought, and there's no bona fide one reason why there has been. Yeah, and and when you look at um, you know just uh, south of the border there, Seattle, a relatively new franchise, yep. uh, doing quite well, and maybe it's just uh, the lament of a Canucks fan. I don't well, that's, know. <laughs> yeah, that's the most galling thing of all, I think, for everybody in the NHL. Okay, go beyond Seattle. If Seattle wins tonight against Dallas, they will be in the Final Four in just their second year of existence. But take the Vegas Golden Knights, who knocked out Edmonton last night. Vegas has been an NHL team for six years. Four times they've been in the Final Four. Like, that's the part that gets everybody. Like, hold it a second. Like, there were guys on the Oilers last night, and this often is said when a team loses. Well, you have to learn how to lose in the playoffs before you can win. Well, why doesn't Vegas have to learn how to lose? Like, they made the final in their very first season. And uh, it, it just... Again, there's no rhyme or reason as to why that happens. And some teams... Some teams, Jazz, are built to do well in the regular season, but for some reason they can't do well in the playoffs. They don't have – the playoffs is a different game. 
And some teams are built better in the playoffs for playoff hockey. And I think in the case of Toronto and Edmonton, they do need to make some adjustments. They have excellent players, some of the best in the NHL, but they need to make some adjustments so that when they get to the playoffs next season, providing they do, they will be able to succeed. Squire, thank you. Thanks very much, Jazz. Appreciate it.